Hello and welcome to the My Care Champion Cast. We're back after taking a hiatus over the summer, so thank you for tuning in. I'm Laura Hall of the Michigan Health and Hospital Association. Today we're talking about the 2018 midterm election, which is coming up on November 6th. Historically, voter turnout is low during midterms compared to presidential elections. However, there are several races in 2018 that will have a big impact on Michiganders' health and access to care and the hospitals and providers who serve our communities. First, we'll talk to Laura Oppel, the MHA's Senior Vice President and Chief Innovation Officer, about the impact elected officials have on healthcare throughout their terms. I've been surprised at how healthcare has taken a kind of a front row seat in this election, more so than any of us would have expected, I think, uh, six or 12 months ago. I know the governor race and, you know, some of these federal seats get a lot of attention for our healthcare advocates to understand how much do state level officials like our state senators and representatives impact healthcare policy? Probably the number one thing that our um, folks in the state legislature do is they fund healthcare. And I just mentioned the, that we need general fund to support the Healthy Michigan Plan. We need general fund to support Medicaid, but we also need money to support our behavioral health system. We need money for our public health system. And if there's one place where we've disinvested, it's in our public health. And both of those things, behavioral health, public health, um, you know, I'd say that those systems are absolutely in crisis. And going forward, our state senators and representatives have an incredible challenge to figure out how we're going to do a better job for people, especially people who are seriously mentally ill, for children and adolescents who are suffering mental illness because we are just seeing a growth in that uh, among those that age of the population, which is you know, so, it, it's incredibly sad and yet it's true and we have to face up to it. We're seeing increases in our rates of suicide. Again, we have to face up to that and deal with it. But we also know that our disinvestment in public health is, you know, there's a direct line between how we are not protecting our water to how we ended up with what happened with people um, having lead poisoning in Flint. And so it's a challenge with our state funding. We don't have enough state funding to keep up with the size of our population and our current, uh, you know, our current economy. Our state general fund is equivalent to what we had uh, more than 40 years ago, in fact, probably 50 years ago, if you adjust for inflation. So it's really challenging for people who are going to be elected to our legislature this year and in many of the coming years. But funding, I guess, is where I'd say is the, is the number one thing. There's a lot of policy issues around health care, of course, but um, it all comes down to the money sometimes. So I know that MHA doesn't endorse candidates, but knowing how important these races are, how can healthcare advocates decide who would be best to represent their voice in Lansing and in Washington, D.C.? I think, you know, that's a that's a terrific question. And I think many of us see, um, especially if you're listening to the radio or you're watching on television, you will see people ask either political commentators or reporters, they'll ask candidates a question and the candidate gives them the answer that they want heard in the media. Your job is to ask the candidate a specific question 
about it that, that is going to demonstrate for you whether or not they are going to be a healthcare champion. And so I would suggest that if you're talking to someone who's running for state representative, state senator, or for Congress, you know, let them know coverage is a priority for us within the hospital community. And will they, for example, like I spoke about earlier, will they support funding for the Healthy Michigan Plan? And if somebody says to you, oh, well, I have alternatives and I think we need to replace the Affordable Care Act and we need to do this, that, or the other thing. Great, if you have a better idea about how to do this. But underpinning all of that, when you're done with that at the end of the day, whatever your alternative is, will you support the funding necessary to implement that? Same thing with pre-existing conditions. Will you require insurers to cover people for the illnesses they've already experienced after they've changed coverage? So if you move from insurer A to insurer B and you previously had cancer, does insurer B have to keep treating, keep covering your treatment for that cancer that you already had? Yes or no? And not like I've introduced some language to, you know, help with that or that. that that's a yes or no question. Will my pre-existing conditions be covered? If they, if they can't answer yes or no, then, you know, I guess I don't think that that person's going to be a champion for, for us when it comes to health care. But other things that you can also ask that are maybe a little less specific would be, what do you think... Um, you can do to ensure Michigan hospitals have the resources they need to meet their community needs. Uh, you might want to ask some questions about what do you think our state, our local um, governments, um, <clears throat> or what the Congress can do to really address the underpinnings of the opiate crisis. We've done a lot to control what doctors can prescribe. We've done a lot to control or, or get information about who's asking for drugs and who's giving drugs and those kinds of things. I don't see a lot of legislation that addresses why people are coming to doctors for drugs. So you might want to ask some questions like that. And you might want to ask, how will you make sure that your community has access to the healthcare services they need? I talked about the crisis that we have in behavioral health. And some of that stems from we just don't have enough caregivers in the behavioral health space. We don't have enough psychiatrists, psychologists. We don't have enough specially trained nurse practitioners in this area. We really, many times, families are terribly um, underserved in terms of getting people into inpatient services that they need or other crisis services and communities are frustrated and want to know, why don't we just open more beds? Why don't we just create more facilities? Well, um, hospital administrators don't, they're not always um, licensed clinical professionals and they could give you a bed, but they can't write you a prescription. They can't perform therapies. They can't do diagnoses. Just having a bed isn't enough. You need the caregivers that go along with that. And we have an a huge shortage, a huge shortage. We are not the only state that has a shortage. Every state has a shortage, which means we're all in competition with each other. We can't pay people enough to move them around. Um, we just, we need more work on how we're gonna create access to the um, services we need 
behavioral health is just one example of that, but it's a it's probably the, the most difficult example. And so I guess just to dive into that a little more, are there policy initiatives or, you know, even going to funding um, that could help us, you know, train more of these physicians or? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a great example of why funding is so critical. I mean, we could expand funding for graduate medical education so that more medical school graduates, people who are already doctors, can go into residency programs that train them as psychiatrists. And that would take additional state funding uh, and it would take a number of years. But getting people in the pipeline now uh, will produce some psychiatrists for in, to six years from now. And one thing that I always think about when I am frustrated with how long this process would take, given that we have such a crisis now, is that if I sit here and think about how awful it is and that we just don't have the time, then I'm wasting time that we could move forward and get started now. It's a challenge, uh, but the number one challenge is do we have the funding? Can we find the money? And Michigan has challenges with funding because we also need to uh, deal with our roads. We need to deal with our infrastructure. There's no shortage of um, you know, where Michigan needs to make investments, but healthcare, behavioral health, public health, uh, we need to be at the top of the list. And so, you know, electing officials that are going to be champions for healthcare will kind of, to bring it all back, will be able to help us fight these. Yes. I mean, you know, everybody's, everybody has to be balanced, but we need people to come to Lansing with this as a priority. And your pushing them on this will help them understand how they, you know, look at this as a priority, how they develop it. Um, you know, everybody's going to want to give you the answer you want to hear. And you have the opportunity when you're meeting with candidates, when they come to your door, when you go to a coffee hour, if you're at a fundraiser, you know, to really ask them and get point blank answers. Can you help protect people who have pre-existing conditions? Will you help to make sure we keep funding Healthy Michigan? Will you invest in our public health infrastructure? Yes or no. And then you can hold them accountable to that later. And if they can't answer those questions for you up front, um, I think that's a pretty good indication about what kind of champion they will or won't be, um, you know, when they get here, when they get to Lansing or when they get to Washington. Next, we'll talk to MHA CEO Brian Peters about why it's so critical healthcare workers and advocates get engaged in politics and stay engaged after the election. Healthcare has become an incredibly hot topic, both at the state and at the national level, because frankly, healthcare is in the spotlight more than it's ever been as a public policy issue, really ever since the passage of the Affordable Care Act. I think the concept of the state and federal government's role in setting healthcare policy uh, is front and center in, in the mind of consumers, the mind of employers, and understanding the different philosophies of our elected officials as far as coverage and access, as far as issues related to pre-existing conditions, uh, certainly payment levels for uh, providers, including hospitals, physicians, and others. All of those things take on added meaning when Medicaid and Medicare now cover more Americans, more Michiganders than ever before. So elections related to health care take on added importance in this day and age. 
So why should healthcare workers and people who just care about healthcare get involved in politics and be engaged? You know, healthcare is the largest employment sector in the state of Michigan. Hospitals are among the very largest employers in their communities. And quite honestly, if you look at hospital employees and their family members, we represent a very significant block of voters. And if we care about the future of healthcare delivery and access here in the state of Michigan, it's incumbent upon us to really step up, educate ourselves on the issues, educate ourselves on the candidates, and get involved. Healthcare is uh, absolutely vital uh, to Michigan communities, uh, both from an economic uh, vibrancy perspective as well as access to care. And politics cannot and should not be a spectator sport. We absolutely have to get engaged. So since this isn't a presidential election year, um, you know, people might not be as engaged as they normally would. Uh, what resources are available to help them learn about the races in their area before they go to vote? The MHA has really taken the election cycle very seriously. And we have a special page on the MHA website, on our election site, which has a great deal of resources for our members and the public. Certainly the My Vote Matters campaign that we launched earlier this year similarly has a lot of great tools and resources for people to get involved and educate themselves and communicate with lawmakers and really have their voice heard in the process. So we really um, have gone out of our way this year uh, to lift up those, um, those activities. And I would say that our staff is always ready, willing, and able to connect one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, it, it's simply a phone call or an email away uh, to reach a member of the MHA team that can really walk you through some of the particulars of your particular race in, in your community. Anything else you want to add? You know, I would say that healthcare is certainly the most complex issue that our elected officials deal with. And you think about the fact that in Michigan now we have term limits where a very substantial number of newly elected lawmakers will take office in Lansing uh, in January, both in the House and the Senate. We'll have a new governor, new secretary of state, new attorney general. Uh, many of these folks are coming to Lansing for the very first time. And again, it's incumbent upon us, once the elections are over, to work with all of these folks, particularly those who are brand new in office, and educate them on our issues and open our doors so that they can see what we do uh, firsthand and actually tour the hospital, see firsthand what it is that we're all about and how the decisions they make can impact real people every single day. So I would say uh, it's a great opportunity leading up to the election, but certainly afterwards as well. Thanks to everyone for listening. I'll link to resources in the show notes, or you can visit mha.org or michigan.gov vote for nonpartisan voter information. Be sure to vote on Tuesday, November 6th, and join us next time for the MyCare Champion cast.